So what do you guys think when makes when uh what oh oh nope lost it. <laughs> you ever had a dream where you thought that you want but you thought but you want but you could, but you could and you want but you want them to you want to do you so much you could do anything every night, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying there, Jill? What makes winter music winter music? It's an interesting question. I'm yeah. gonna let the scholars tackle that one. <laughs> well, for me, it has mostly to do with snowstorms. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, snow, for me, it's like snowstorms or skiing. Okay, yeah. Got to be a little high octane sometimes. I forgot all about the skiing. That should have been factored into my list. I would have picked some different ones too. Yeah, winter um, sports, man. What's good yeah. music for winter sports? That's a different list. We got to start over. <laughs> I think I for got. for me, the snowstorms did the same thing that like windows down driving did for the summer. Like it filled that same void uh, okay, where I yeah. found myself thinking about the season a lot, but I really noticed a lot of ideas clustering around that activity mm-hmm. and that kind of set the general tone. And I found that for this one, I kept thinking about like, you know, sitting in my room and looking out at a, a blizzard, maybe like mid afternoon. <laughs> That's part of my criteria too. Like it was a lot of like a, a lot of throwbacks to like being a teenager and being in like a silent candlelit room. Like not not candlelit because the power's out because there's a snowstorm or anything, but just like I thought it was because you grew up in the Victorian era and they did <laughs> not yet have electricity. <laughs> no, just like I have these memories of like being kind of a freshman or sophomore in high school and just kind of like your room is like where you retreat to to listen to music and and everything. So some of these albums, at least some of the ones that I wrote down initially before I kind of whittled them down, were very much like sitting alone in the room with candles and incense burning music, you know? Yeah. Did you factor in any nighttime winter albums too? Honestly, no. I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. I think for winter albums, there's less of a distinction between day and night for me. Did you? Not really, no. Like the distinct, the only distinction that I made in my list is like a couple are skiing specific and then like the rest are just snow. Yeah. <laughs> like snow coming down, not not your riding on snow. I was thinking but. just now though, like there was a point where I was taking a lot of like late night walks in the winter. Yeah. And I remember just, you know, the way that like the moon and the stars look on like a winter night versus a summer night. Like there's just that like really vivid kind of clarity that they take on mm-hmm. and just the crunching of stuff and the fact that like it, it's so deathly quiet on a good winter night out there. And there were a few nights I remember walking around listening to like Hallelujah, like the Jeff Buckley one. Sure. And just kind of like really wistful reverby songs like that. And I, though I didn't put any of those on my list, but that probably should have been. It's the same shit as the summer one. It's just like you start, yeah. as soon as you start thinking about it, you start realizing there's way more facets to this than just like, oh, winter, it's Christmas time. I know summer, it's 4th of July. I guess like, where, and this factors into to summer and all the other seasons for me as well, but I guess there's a difference between like where you're driving in a particular season and that has as much to do with day versus night for instance if i'm doing a lot of city driving i'm probably never listening to folk music unless i'm leaving the city yeah like if i'm going into a place i'm probably listening to heavier heavier into a city i'm probably listening to heavier music yeah not like heavy heavy necessarily but like an, an elect like a rock band <laughs> yeah um whereas i'm more likely to listen to folk and more acoustic stuff if i'm driving like in the country or a more rural area yeah 
so it's interesting. I was thinking, like speaking of wistful and reverby stuff, I was thinking yesterday about how perfect a lot of post rock is mm-hmm. for the winter. And that kind of like, depending on the nature of the band that you're listening to, a lot of them are like, could be pretty cool in the city and in the more country areas. Mm. But it's definitely a wistful. There's one album on my list that is super wistful. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we had to, we, we changed our format a little bit. We're doing top five instead of top 10. Because top 10 is a long recording session and a long, it's basically a top 30, you were saying. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's three of us. So Plus the honorable mentions. I mean, we, yeah. oh, right. yeah. we were up there, yeah. Yeah. We listed like literally 40 albums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Rolling Stone even does that anymore. So. Yeah, really. <laughs> so that made it a harder, uh, a harder list for me to whittle down because then I had to look at like, okay, how many of these are snowstorm specific mm-hmm. versus how many are like driving specific versus how many are, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't want too many in this from the same category to be on my list, but I'm finding mm-hmm. that they're mostly metal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I almost put Slayer on mine. Did you? <laughs> yeah. There was a brief period of time where that was just fun driving. Yeah. I don't know why. Winter is kind of like one of the only times of the year that I just put on. There are certain albums that I put on in the fall for for mm. metal as well, but winter's a big metal time of year for me. What would the difference be for both of you for, you know, because we didn't do a fall one. Like right. we didn't do any of like the intermediate seasons. So what would the difference be for both of you? Like between fall and winter albums, what would be that change? Snow. I mean, <laughs> no, it could be. I, like, is it literally the snow? No, like, it's... I was kind of noticing, like, as I was trying to pick out my songs, that there was a lot of overlap between the fall list that I made for, you know, when we had planned on doing that, Mm. and then the songs I was actually choosing for the winter. And honestly, there was a lot of, like, summery stuff as well, because sometimes there's music that you'll listen to in the winter as, like, an escape from winter. Yep. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I, I think there's not much at all that differentiates fall from winter besides like that certain stillness yeah like did you find yourself hovering on the both have like a certain melancholy to them though in general Mm -hmm. and it's not just like like spring and summer music is a little more mindless yeah and like a little more of a party but winter has to have that like emotional aspect to it Mm. same with fall yeah that's kind of true yeah or at least a sentimental one yeah yeah why do you think that is, though? Because there's a ton of cliche reasons I can think of, but part of me wonders, too. It's like, are you just trapped inside with your thoughts more and you start to realize, like, my thoughts are pretty fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get some cooler thoughts or more in-depth. Like, I feel like people get a lot more contemplative, a lot more philosophical, a lot more. At least we definitely do, like you and I do. <laughs> okay, so for me, I can say that, like, this, the, the sentimentality part of it is, like, a lot of the winter music that I got into when I was like 18, 19 years old was because I'm, I was like driving a lot in terrible cars. So like <laughs> I would get stuck places and I would be like on the road when I was working a sales job and stuff. And just like the car was basically my home and I had to count on it to be a place of comfort in a way. Yeah. So like the sentimentality there was like, I'd better have music with me that like I can really brave a storm, a snowstorm with. Yeah. And so it was sort of my only comfort. Also, I would say that like the sentimentality for at least the albums on my list differ from the sentimentality of albums that I would play during the Christmas season because I purposefully left those off this list. 
Because mm-hmm. we should just we should just do an album of Christmas music or an episode of Christmas music eventually. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like yeah. I was kind of torn. Like Matt had mentioned that he might throw a couple of Christmas songs in there, and then I was like, "Yeah, but that's I'll listen to those for like two weeks." Right. And then I'm probably not going to listen to Christmas music for the rest of the winter. Like, right, yeah. It, it's a little too niche. So, I just yeah. wanted an excuse to put Michael Buble on there, because I figured that's <laughs> I'm, I want to defend Michael Buble in public. D- does yeah. John Hyatt have a Christmas album? Oh, that, he must. That would make my list. Yeah. That's not, that defies season, though. That does. It transcends it. Yeah, we're going to come back to John Hyatt, I think, a few times here. Yeah, he's very important. I mean, an example of that for me, and this is a spoiler alert for when we do do a Christmas album list. Do do. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like I had originally had Tori Amos on this list. And then when I had to kind of whittle it down from 10 to 5, I looked at it and I was like, I was listening to it in December. I'm not listening to it now. Like that Mm -hmm. actually goes on the Christmas albums list for me instead of the winter albums list. Mm. But then like there's really a chronological delineation for me between that that flows really well into each other, like between like the Nick Drake season into Christmas season into all right, now it's January, February. Mm. You you just need metal. (laughs) (laughs) Or not just metal, but like that's kind of where the cutoff is for me between like sentimentality as I would define it for those other seasons and sentimentality as I would define it for winter albums. It just means something different. Yeah. Whereas for Nick Drake season and and Christmas season, it's a lot more like personal, like emotional and personal music that like, there's a lot of tenderness there. Yeah. The sentimentality for winter albums for me becomes more about just like, I don't want to say strength. What's the word for it? Perseverance. I guess so. Like, honestly, it's a little bit more that tenacity to to just brave snowstorms and, and drive around like... And famine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Famine. <laughs> Starvation. Yeah. Pestilence. <laughs> yeah. That word doesn't get tossed around enough in, <laughs> I know. in this century. <laughs> well, yeah, you want to jump into them? Sure. Who wants to go first? Uh, do you want to do it, Pete? Why, sure. Let's see. <laughs> well, first of all, this too, is, are these ranked? Are either of you ranked? I was them? just about to say not ranked. Okay. So first one, I had listed for summer. It was Casbo's uh, album, Making of a Paracosm. And that's his second album. First on my list is his first album, which uh, is called Places We Don't Know. And it's a really cool sort of organic, electronic, symphonic blend, which is my jam. Like, that's my wheelhouse. So it, it's just kind of like a nice mix of good beats that kind of make you want to bop your head. But it's far more contemplative than mm. a lot of other stuff. And I'd say it's more contemplative than his second album. Mm. It's very, like, experimental sounding. A lot of like guitars, almost, uh, I want to say like post-rock-ish guitars, except not in the sense that they're the really heavy, distorted, washed out guitars, but it's explosions in the sky like, Yeah, that kind of ethereal. Yeah. yeah. Like plucky sort of guitar. Yeah. yeah. So that's number one. All right. But you said it's unranked. Unranked. Okay. That's just, just your first one. One of five. Yeah. yeah. 
So similar to last time, we got to ask, are we counting down or counting up? <laughs> We're not counting at all. All right. Yeah, I didn't rank mine either. That was going to open right. a whole can I, of worms. Well, yeah, and similar to last time, I have a number, uh, like a hard number one. Yeah. But yeah. nothing else is really ranked. But I do have, I have like a one favorite. I guess I have a favorite Snowstorm album and a favorite overall winter album. I could probably do that. Do you have that in you? Yeah. Like to say just a hard number one, like a... One that you're like, no, this is quintessentially winter. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, why don't so we do I'll that? Make, I'll make my number two my my favorite Snowstorm album. My, my number one will be my, my favorite uh, overall winter album, and I'll count down to those. Okay. Do you want to go? Do you want to go next? Nope. Uh, I still haven't decided on my number five. <laughs> I'm looking at a list of 13 right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to jump in then with my my driving in a blizzard one. Okay. Because that's, I don't know if I've said it on here, but that is genuinely one of my favorite things. Unless I'm in like a city environment, like this is a highway situation that I enjoy, but driving in a good blizzard, it's like one of my favorite aesthetics. It's one of my favorite things to Mm kind of endure and do. But I had a pretty fantastic blizzard drive to Kid A by Radiohead. Oh, hell yeah. And that that was um, actually Molly's call. I couldn't reach the phone. I was like, just put on whatever you want. I can't take my eyes off the road. And she put that one on. I was like, holy shit, this was a good, good call. Mm. And um, it's just kind of a roller coaster. It all stays in the same emotional vein the whole time, generally in terms of like how it relates to a snowstorm. But it does so many weird things in that vein. Mm -hmm. Because normally I would go, like one of my honorable mentions was um, Leonard Cohen's uh, treaty, the strings reprise at the end. Okay of his last album and that song for me is like that was my previous favorite snowstorm one because it's just so lush it's like four and a half minutes of instrumental strings and then he just like comes in in the lowest voice i've ever heard someone do on a microphone just saying i wish there was a treaty we could sign yeah and it's like two lines and then we're out and i'm just driving in a blizzard and that like that's magical but yeah kid a that's my um my favorite snowstorm one now that's cool because actually there was one season when um you know, I had I, I don't think any of the albums that were kind of on my playlist then are on my list now. But Amnesiac was like a huge winter album for me. Yeah. For they like have a bunch the, of good winter shit. They do, yeah. There's actually and Hail to the Thief almost like should have made it onto my summer album and would have if it was a top twelve. <laughs> but they're a very seasonal band for me. I think all bands kind mm-hmm. of are. All right, I'm going to start off with the with the band that I want to make sure gets mentioned here, okay. and it's Adam Reed and the Inbetweens. We yeah. had Adam Reed on for our Burden of History episode, which, by the way, I just want to throw this out there, I think is our best scored episode. I'm like, I'm really, really proud of how that episode was scored. So if you want more from Adam Reed, listen to our Burden of History episode, or just go and check out all their stuff on Bandcamp. But Adam Reed and, and the Inbetweens, the 2016 album Punctuation Marks. Mm. There was one year when I made a Get Through the Winter mixtape. <laughs> and uh, Adam's got two songs on there because like, it's an album that's full of lyrics about getting through the winter. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's from Florida, so I think winters hit him a little bit harder. <laughs> but yeah, just like really, really hopeful. There's a song on there called Spring Cleaning. Mm. That's just all about like, one day soon we'll get to be in the springtime and and be like things will be easier but there's a bleakness to it you know Mm. and that's one of those albums where like there's a lot of folkiness to it and there's a lot of that sort of like 
not post-rocky, but like like electric guitar ambience, you know, a lot of like reverb guitars, a lot of the wistfulness that Matt was mentioning earlier. And yeah, it's a it's a really good like comfort album for the winter. So like where I actually so when I said earlier, like that a lot of them for me are about like tenacity and and strength and um what's the word that we were using? survival perseverance <laughs> perseverance where a lot of them are like that like this isn't a snowstorm album for me this is like one of those kind of sentimental like just coop up at home and and put it on in your in, in your headphones and you'll find a lot of comfort in it mm. during the winter if if that's what you need yeah so adam reed and the in-betweens punctuation marks all right uh next next one for me is it's an album called first contact by lastlings and that's one it, it's definitely more electronic big surprise uh but it's i don't even know why specifically i included that which is the odd thing but i think it's just the fact that it comes up a lot in the winter like i just tend to listen to it a lot mm-hmm. and it was it's definitely not one that pops right into my head it's like oh this is winter but then i was like it just kind of is a sleeper like it's just always in there but it's how would I describe it? I mean, it's got four on the floor beats for like pretty much everything, mm-hmm. but everything seems to be written in some sort of minor key. Mm. So it's definitely not upbeat electronic. It's just sort of like dark and a little brooding, a little ominous. Like they have a song called Deja Vu that I think is really cool. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those that kind of matches like, when the days get short and all mm. that, you're kind of always listening to it in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it just works. Do you have any know. albums that are like that you find kind of repulsive during the winter that you like other times of year? Oh. Maybe repulsive's the wrong word, but just like you there can't are, do it. Yeah, there are definitely some songs it's see, that's the thing. I don't necessarily listen to albums. Yeah. I listen to songs. So I always just have my phone on shuffle. But whenever I hear something that's like tropical sounding, yeah. like a, uh, <laughs> it, maybe it's maybe it's out of spite that I'm just like, oh, skip that, skip yeah. that. But yeah, I I have a lot of like tropical house from when I was really in the uh, in the midst of my Kygo phase. Mm. But when I hear those in the winter, it just irritates the heck out of me. But I don't want to like delete them from. Yeah my Spotify because it's like I'll end up listening to them in the summer and I'll be perfectly fine with it. Yeah. But it just does not match the vibe. Yeah. That's it depends on the album or it depends on the song for me, but like bands like Cake, I yeah. love listening to it other times of year. But like I would have friends that would put on albums like that, like our bands like that. Mm. And uh and I'd be like, this is not is, winter music. Which one is Cake? Do they do the they're going the distance like yeah, that one yeah, or like yeah. I want the girl. Chuck theme song yeah. yeah okay I always mix them up with Spoon and I think it's oh, just because they have a one word like, food name. name yeah they're kind of in well, the same circle musically a little bit yeah it's that kind of like um, I just consider it like haunted funk haunted funk I like that because okay. it's kind of like spooky and minor and weird but like it's it's not really funk but it's you can't say it isn't yeah I was gonna just—I was gonna lump them both into like that Earthfest category, like they're yeah. both kind of like, you know, whimsical, like kind of earthy, crunchy rock bands. Oh, did we talk about on Mike, by the way, the like last time probably the fact that we were all at Earthfest? No. You were at you were at the Midnight Oil one, weren't you? 
I was. Yeah, so Pete and I Wait, were so talking about that. Was like 1999 that. or 2000 or something. Wasn't it? 2001, yeah. 2000. Yeah. Okay. Because this was Pete's and my very first concert ever. Like the very first time that we ever consciously saw live music. Yeah. Yeah. Was that show. And Joel and I were talking on the phone a few months back, and like he just said something about going to Earthfest to see Midnight Oil there, and I was like, "Hold on, like, so it's just that's pretty weird." Like, I don't yeah. think we crossed paths because we figured out where we all would have been, and I think you weren't near us, right? Like, no, I spent most of the day over near like all the hippie art vendors. Yeah, and I don't. Think I remember we walking went. through there, and Mom was like, "It smells like weed." <laughs> she like hustled us through. Sure did. <laughs> 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 no, like, uh, all right. So the story I was telling, just to diverge a little bit. So we went to Earthfest. Garbage was playing. Midnight Oil was playing. I forget who else. But it was a great day. And then, like, we met up with these other teenage hippies and we're playing hacky sack with them for a while. And uh, God, a buddy of mine. God, 2000s. Hell yeah. <laughs> a buddy of mine ended up, like, making out with this girl. And they were, Ooh. like, on the grass in the, in the in the field, like, kissing. And then somebody that was, like, in our little group just went over and, like, meant to give them, like, a playful kick but ended up, like, curb stomping them. <laughs> oh, my so, God. I know, it was gruesome. <laughs> and so, like, my friend got this girl's tooth through his lip. Oh. And we had to leave so that he could go to the hospital and get stitches. Gross. Jesus. Yeah, it was gross. It's a hard midnight stop for oil. Were great though. Yeah, <laughs> we had to leave before the. We had to leave during their set, I think. But yeah, it was a it was a whole thing. It was hilarious, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as like a one eighty that you can take in that environment, like it's just mm -hmm. all hippies. It's outside. It's nice out. Free concert. A lot of crunchy foods. And it's tooth through gum. <laughs> yeah. like, but at least you discovered <laughs> this this great artist, this great local uh, visual artist. I don't know who he is, and I might never know because I lost touch with the friend who got obsessed with his paintings. Mm -hmm. But that's like the memory that I took away from that day is like my friend getting curb stomped. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then forgetting who an artist is. <laughs> forgetting who the visual artist was, but remembering that I really liked his work. Yeah. Yeah, all in all, good. pretty good show. And then garbage, we're okay. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why we were talking about it because Pete and I saw garbage again over the summer. Yeah, and I didn't oh, realize that they were, we're on that bill. It. Yeah, opening for Tears for Fears, may I say? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Pete, our mom, and I went to go see and Evan and Evan. Yes, went to go yeah. see Tears for Fears and Garbage. Phenomenal show, both bands. I bet it's true. A very yeah. nice summer's day. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have an appreciation for Garbage when I saw them live. Like, I liked them in the 90s and then was just not. I was, like, in a phase of consciously growing out of that kind of music in 2001 mm. and just kind of, like, listening to a lot more hippie shit, I guess. Mm. But then I, like, came back to Garbage later on and I was like, oh, why did I ever not like this? Mm. So I wish that I had still been into them at that time mm. so that I could enjoy it more. But it was still, it was a great time. Good yeah. day. I have a photo of us playing hacky sack on the train. Oh. Wow. And if you've never tried to play hacky sack on the tee before, man, it is not easy. <laughs> I've watched a lot of people try to do that. Have you? I've lost, watched a lot of hacky sacks go under the train. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I've never hacky sacked on a train because I don't do opium. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all the opium users That's out me. there. Pete's being a little snobby. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> Stay away from the tracks. <laughs> so Matt, what's your next one? 
Yeah, I got to do my number two. Um, I'm going to say this one was kind of a weird one, but I have poignant memories of this from high school. It's Bob Dylan's self-titled. I remember like right when I had a car, like the first time that I had a car to drive to school, scraping it off and just realizing how much that sucked in the morning, like in the middle of the winter, like (laughs) those freezing, freezing, freezing mornings where it's like everything is just like you got to really put some arms into it. And I just remember like for some reason I would listen to that album a ton and that was like my like incense burning, listening to this kind of thing. Right. But I remember always listening to it while I was waiting for the windows to defrost and everything so I could go out and do that. And it just, it kind of like just became a part of, like I, it was like the first time that it kind of put that bug in my ear about wanting to like see what it was like to be a folk singer, you know, like mm-hmm. the idea of like, cause he has one song about freezing his ass off in Greenwich Village and stuff like that. Yeah. And just thinking about like, oh yeah, like you're out there, almost like a cowboy aesthetic, you know, like you're right. out there kind of on your own, trying to make it your own way. Like you've got these songs, you, they always have cool coats on the album covers and like scarves and shit. And I just always, yeah remember it really clicking with that season in us in an optimistic way and it's probably my only winter morning album on here like my only like i'm gonna go out and face the day and this is what's gonna okay yeah be playing which was a weird one for me but i that's why it's not my most um like emblematic winter album but i, I wanted to include it at least for that reason joel's on the move <laughs> where's he going it's just driving me crazy that those drawers were open <laughs> Those drawers look pretty open when you stood up, Joel. <laughs> I hope not. No, they didn't. <laughs> they were very much closed. Okay. Thank God. I was say they don't open, so that would be a, a, a bigger problem. <laughs> that, would, that would be a needle and thread situation. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, what's your number two? Well, I was just going to add to that, like the album covers of like the old, the early Bob Dylan albums and like, yeah, that like post beatnik Mm -hmm. overcoat and scarf look. And like, you're right. It's always like, it always looks like kind of dreary. Yeah. Like one of those like just bleak, cold winter New York days. Yeah. You know? So yeah, there's a solidarity in that, I think. And and just like looking at, at the album cover, you'd be like, oh yeah, they're freezing. I'm freezing. We're both folk singers. We're both playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, it came full circle. Like when I got older, um, like played Passim and places like that. Um, like some of those like folk spots or like going on tour by myself and just kind of like, you know, feeling those feelings. Like I remember that was kind of a cool thing. Like it only I experienced it for myself. You know, it wasn't like a shared thing. Like other people have experienced it, but this wasn't like a, a grand moment. It was just kind of one of those private ones. But realizing that like that feeling that I got or that I, I thought that Dylan was getting and hoped that I would get. Right. Like, I totally got that feeling. Like, uh, you know, walking into a club like that at night, like getting the snow off you, you're bundled up in like a cool felt coat or something and a scarf and taking the train in with a notebook and watching the people and like people just ducking under shit to try to get out from the snow. Like, all of that stuff, it's like that's exactly what I, what I envisioned being a folk singer to be like. It's interesting that it's, I have memories of like driving to this coffee shop that I used to play all the time in the winter and it would be like, all right, I have $10 to my name. That's going in my gas tank so that I can drive <laughs> over there. It's going to be cold as fuck the whole drive over there. But then like you get to the place and it is like the hearth. Yeah. And it's yeah. like you hope that people are going to come in from the cold and like spend that night with you, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's such a specific feeling <laughs> that just makes you very, very grateful for what, Pete? You're what? spending you're spending nights with people in a coffee shop? Yeah. 
The whole night? The whole night. Where you lock them in there? You've never been to a to a coffee house slumber party? I actually haven't. Actually, you know what? I have never actually been to like a coffee shop to hang out. Really? I've huh. only ever been to one to like get coffee and then leave. Huh. Or like I, I think I did go on a date one time, but that's not quite the same as like going there on like yeah. a cold day and like spending some time. You should do yeah. that. You'd actually probably really like that now. Yeah, now that... You, once I started saying it, I was like, I should, I should try that. Yeah. We just need an actual snowy day and yeah. a coffee shop that kind of feels cozy. Yeah. Because yeah. as far as I know, we don't really have one. They're around. Like, they're not always going to jump right out at you. Mm. Especially the ones that are open late. Yeah. I'll just go to Denny's. I'm trying to think. I don't know if there are any around here, but. I would say Ultimate Perk, but that's like not quite no. that vibe. <sighs> There is such a dearth of coffee shops that are open late night. Yeah. Like, it's a real treat when you find one. Even Dunkin' isn't open very late. Most yeah. of them close at, like, 7. That's really? messed up. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird to me. Dude, I grew up going to late night Dunkin's. There are a bunch that are, like, you know, parts of mobile stations that are open till like, midnight. Oh, yeah. And you'd think that the Dunkin' would be open, because, like, what if you have people going to the night shift or whatever at ten or 9 o'clock? Yeah. yeah. Well, bad news. You're drinking gasoline if you want anything to to sip on. <laughs> There's one. Uh, I think it depends on like what where it is and what it's on the way to or what it's on the way from. Because like there's one, I think it's a Sunoco station or something like that, but it's on the way home from Western Mass. And I always stop there because it's like the last place that you'll be able to stop to use the bathroom or whatever before like the long highway drive. Yeah, and every time I go in there, like somewhat late, there's a, the Dunkin' Donuts. I think is always open in there, but yeah, I don't know. It just probably depends on like who they imagine is stopping in, and like, mm. are they yeah. going to need a coffee for their drive? I don't know. But are you talking about the Sunoco? Um, you know the one like when we bring you out to UMass Amherst. There's that like you get off the road. You get off that, Route Two, and it's right there. Yeah, that's God. That yeah, one that's is funny. like. I always had the same feeling of like, I don't stop here. <laughs> Disaster is going to strike somehow. It's either going to be yeah. having to piss the whole ride home or like. I think we stopped at that one when we were coming back from whitewater rafting. And I was like, wow, this place is great. And if I ever drove you to UMass Amherst, then we for sure stopped there. Yeah. Because I would have not let us not stop there. <laughs> that was, yeah. Probably running out of gas too. Yeah, probably. That's why I would stop there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always a necessary stop. Yeah. Every single time. That makes me wonder if you guys have both been to that one too. Like there's a mobile across the street that I've never been to. Yeah. <laughs> never <laughs> it's literally to. across the street. Even if I'm on that side of the road, I don't go to that one. Like yeah. <laughs> I wonder who, who does go there. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Joel, what's your, uh, what's your second? Oh, All right. So, oh God. <laughs> wait, are we only on number two? Yeah. We've been screwing well, off that I'm on number four, four. But yeah. Um, all right. My number four, and this is going to be one of those, like, it, it, it is the album for me that has transcended like both of the things, like all of the things that we've been talking about. Like it is, it has been a snowstorm album. It has been a sitting inside in a dark candlelit room album, like as a teenager before I was even driving. It has just like always been a perfect winter album for me. The irony is, and I find this with a lot of albums. A lot of the albums that I listened to in the fall and winter came out in the like spring and summer. Mm. So my number four pick is is White Pony by Deftones. Okay. And they're a band from California. So winter music probably means fuck all to them. Yeah. But like 
it's a perfect winter album in my opinion. Mm. Um, it's been with me through a lot, mm. <laughs> literally for like the 25 years or some shit, like almost uh. <laughs> in the 20 something years. And, uh, it's interesting to me that like it came out in the summer and I remember it coming out and like loving that first single off of it. But it was just like, it was a great single to listen to at that time because it was in the, the new metal boom, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it just fit really well within that little niche. But, um, it has a lot of that, like, like it was when they were kind of transitioning, not really transitioning, but they were adding in elements of other genres to their specific brand of new mm. metal to make it more their brand. So, like, you had a little bit of, um, like, Depeche Mode, that kind of influence kind of making its way in, some, like, programmed electronic drums making its way in, mm. a lot more, like, reverb and le- less reliant on, like, just distortion and hard drum beats mm. and more elements of that like atmospheric ambient stuff creeping in. So that to me is like what makes it a really cool winter album is like anytime that you have like a heaviness and an ambience together, Mm. that's always really nice to me. They're like soothing. Yeah. So it's got like some of their heaviest songs and it's got some of their most melodic songs and it's got like, it is widely considered to be their, their, their best record. Hmm. But like, to me, it is their best record, but it's also a record that I only put on in the winter. Yeah. That's a good one. Just has best all the record, but not good enough to last you through the year. Nope. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> sound that good to me. <laughs> well, I'm and there's kidding. no album that, that does. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've, I haven't listened to much Deftones at all, but I do know like a few people who swear by them. So mm-hmm. I keep I keep meaning to check them out, and I should actually make a concerted effort to listen. Mm. Pretty good. I'd be curious if you'd like them. Yeah, yeah. I will say I'm almost slightly weary to like listen to them because a lot of the people who have like recommended them to me also live and breathe Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> And if they're anything yeah. alike, I don't want to offend the person recommending it by being like, it's hog shit, because it <laughs> sounds like Red Hot Chili Peppers. They don't at all, but that is Thank an interesting God. phenomenon where like a lot of people that I knew in like the mid-2000s would say that their favorite bands were Deftones and Incubus, and like there was a, definitely a crossover with Red that, Hot Chili Peppers there. Yeah, tracks. But like th- none of those bands sound anything alike. Does 311 would, fall into that category? There too? would be, yeah. People who would say those things probably also enjoy 311, you know, like Limp Biscuit. Eh. Okay. They're, they're definitely not part of that. <laughs> but they were, no, but they were part of like the Deftones fandom back in the day, you know, like there was, there was a lot of overlap between like Corn, Deftones, Limp Biscuit, Tool, like that era of new metal had a lot of overlap. But like Woodstock fans of Incubus don't necessarily like, we should do a whole episode on Woodstock 99. (laughs) 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 Got to watch that Netflix uh, documentary on it first. Mm. I watched it twice. I binge watched it it like twice in two days. Was it good? I loved it. It was fascinating. (laughs) It's Joel. He might watch it twice, even if it's bad. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. It means you fixate. And you want yeah. to learn more. You're naturally inquisitive. All right. That's a nice I could way say of the saying word. autistic. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> um, like no, I could like, say the word Titanic and you'd be like, ooh. And you'd be licking your chops. You'd want to dive more into the topic. Yeah. Now, I, I chose that one, obviously, because 
you love the Titanic. You know because, me to be a Titanic man, yeah. Because you're autistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but that that overlap between like the new metal bands and the bands that aren't so new metal, but like there's somehow a link between those bands. I don't really know. I've never understood what it is other than Southern California, <laughs> but Th- that yeah. might be all it needs. That might be all it needs. It and, might also be heroin. Oh, okay. <laughs> you mean Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and do some Southern California when we finish this. Are 311 a big heroin band? I oh, just assume probably. their fans are, but yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, they're just, I think like a pop band, right? They're not really, I've never I, thought that more. Know. A pop band, by the way, is the most like a dad you've ever sounded. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it amber is the color of my heroin? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Are we on to number three? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes, sir. Number three, I'm going to throw in, okay, Changeophilia EP. I'm kind of not really cheating here, but kind of cheating because it's only like, yeah, like a five song EP, yeah, but it's whatever. very, very good. It came out, honestly, I think it came out last week, but it's an EP that I just have not stopped listening to. And I know for a fact it's going to be a recurring theme like every winter from here on out. Hmm. So it's okay. by Dustin Tebbett, okay. who is very, very good. He's a nice, uh, I think he's Australian, hmm. very soothing voice, sings in a falsetto, but not obnoxiously, hmm. which is good. And yeah, it's just an, it's an interesting blend. I would say, uh, or you'd expect me to say that it has an electronic blend, almost <laughs> symphonic, but it doesn't really have that. No, it's it's more of like a acoustic singer-songwriter, sort of like folky sound, okay. but it's really interesting production with it. Like a lot of stuff is kind of like toyed with and flipped and like samples are kind of warped around, but without actually being electronic. Mm. It's just a cool sound. It's one that's very difficult to describe. A lot of like, I guess you could call it natural percussion, hmm. where instead of using drums, you can tell they're just like hitting like desks. Oh, and yeah, stuff like like hitting that. like the guitar. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it, it, it's just kind of a neat like earthy sound. But since it's a lot of the songs are kind of like barren, yeah, like they really hmm. use the space in the song well. It just like lends itself to the stillness of a winter night. Yeah, in a coffee shop. The <laughs> well, that's hearth. like I was gonna. I was tempted to put. I don't really listen to him, but I was tempted to put Bon Iver. I, on I almost did. Yeah, the production that's good is winter so music. perfect. Yeah, yep. like I almost don't care what he's playing. Like just the way that he produces like, those. What is A U A T C? Ever you know that? No. It's kind of a weird little. St- song or album i think it's an album i don't know i just listened to like the specific yeah. songs but that is like such a perfect winter vibe or even from uh don't look up uh yeah, second nature yeah. if i had to pick like a number one winter song yeah, yeah that i've listened one. to for the last two winters including <laughs> this one because <laughs> hasn't been out very long but yeah. that one i think was my most listened to song of might have been 2021 yeah and I think it was my second most of 2022, which is wow. kind of fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember I spent a winter um, when I figured out what Bonnie Vare was doing to record those. Like it was that simple. I think the cabin Pro Tools, like rudimentary Pro Tools rig and a, yeah. a 58 without the 
um, grill on it. So the mic right. that you're talking into right now, but you unscrew the grill and it makes it basically a 57 and it, it's like right. super sensitive. You jack the gain way up. And I remember saying like, I'm just going to like do that this winter. And so I recorded a version of that EP that I put out guts. I originally recorded it that way mm. and did it just alone in my bedroom, sitting on the floor, doing it that way for like the winter. And that was one of the most, it never came out that way, obviously, but like that was one of the most like incredible recording experiences I've ever had. Cause it was just so like the mic was so sensitive yeah, and it was so bare bones that you couldn't do a lot of tricks. You couldn't get bogged down on stuff. Like you either, I think I was doing it into a four track too. Wow. So it was just like, I remember you had to have the gain up so high to get that sound, but that meant you couldn't even like twitch. Right. So it was almost like meditating. Like it was almost like this mindfulness exercise during the whole thing. Cause I had to sit so still, I had to control my breathing. Mm -hmm. I had to not screw up cause there were no punches. And I had to do it at times when it was deathly quiet. Cause if a phone rang, like that's the <laughs> take, you know? Yeah. So like that was one of those things where it was like, it just meshed with like listening to those albums for me. I remember you recording that because I had to be quiet as a mouse. Yeah, you weren't allowed and I was livid about it. Yeah. Because it would be like, I'd try to do anything. I'd be like putting my shoes on yeah, and my foot might slip. And then all of a sudden I'd have Matt going, what the heck? And then I'd have my mom going, Peter, you know he's recording. And I'm like, I'm putting on shoes. At least Nancy defended you though. Yeah. So good we, to have that. Oh, yeah. You should try recording yeah, something that way though. You'll see what I mean. It's like you hear it like a pipe creak downstairs and it's like, it's blown. It's cool, but it's like, it's just a very, when you, if you're screwing up and that's the level of sensitivity on the mic, like if you're like not getting shit in the first take and that's what the equipment is doing, it starts to snowball very quickly. It seems like more of a challenge than I'd want because yeah. I know myself and after, <laughs> I mean, third is generous. Realistically, after the second botched take, yeah. I'd just be like, that's enough. There's a reason people go to a cabin yeah do you still have those sessions yeah somewhere wow yeah i almost put it out that way too because i was like that just was it was just cool and they, oh songs are all like a minute and a half two minutes long it's like screw it it's yeah. eight minutes of somebody's life it's not that big of a commitment so i thought about doing it but it's just all hiss and like i don't know it was, it was yeah a fun fun little exercise but hmm. Uh, so what the hell was I supposed to do three? Yep. All right. Um, instead, you talked about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Five whole minutes. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking Among the Leaves, Sun Kill Moon. Oh. That's kind of like a folky one. Mark Kozilek. Um, he's got. He's one of those people with just a really expansive discography. A lot of weird little like shrapnel songs, like minute long vignettes and stuff like that. But in my opinion very few people do a better job of like capturing a moment, like capturing an impression or a conversation in a folk song. And he's always just, he'll throw like an open tuning down and just kind of like, it's almost conversational. He's got kind of a deep crackly voice, like, but it is high at the same time. It is weird, but mm. no one really does it like him. And he's kind of an asshole, but in the right <laughs> ways and well, most of the right ways. And uh, I don't know that album to me, that was just, it always reminds me of driving through the Midwest yeah. In the middle of like February or January when it's just like cornfields for miles, except they don't look like cornfields. And it's like, you might as well be driving across Venus. Like it just looks like just someplace different. And I, that always soothes me. Mm. And it's also always the, it's always been the coldest I've ever been. 
And so I just remember like, you know, listening to that album a lot, like looking out car windows and like just, I don't know, it's just, it's just cool. It's like he's kind of telling you a story and there's a warmth to it. And I, I find that's a valuable part of winter listening to me is like you feel mm-hmm. like you're inside. But like, yeah, like you mentioned the hearth earlier, like you're kind of, you're supposed to be inside. Yeah. All right, we're sticking with the with the with the heavy ones, and this is another one kind of similar to White Pony, where it's uh, you know very good for just like indoor listening and outdoor listening, and it's Visu by Thrice. So we're at number three. I'm picking Thrice. Okay. Wait, you said number three. You're picking Thrice. Yeah. That's so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that on purpose? No, I did not. I was sitting oh. over here <laughs> agonizing over which one to pick for number three, and then I was just like, yeah, you know what? That's yeah. Let's do it that way. Yeah. So uh, the rest will just be honorable men- honorable mentions, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's another one of those like you know they started out in like the Orange County punk scene and had kind of like a, a a hardcore type thing going for a while. And this album was their first departure away from like it's not punk at all. It's a lot more new metal than punk. It's a lot more of that like melodic heavy winter vibes really than like anything that they had ever done before hmm. and uh when i first heard it i was like this is a serious departure but it's like perfect yeah for i think at the time it was like february or march when i heard it i was like this is perfect for this time of year hmm. it just like you wouldn't listen to it any other time of year if you were a new englander i don't think hmm. and uh yeah it's just it's really really dark really moody but again, it's it's one of those things where like you could very easily there's enough ambience and atmospheric stuff in it, and enough like piano and uh, music boxes and stuff like that. Where yeah. like it's a good head in, indoor headphones listening experience, but it's heavy enough that you would put it on in a snowstorm or or kind of when it's gloomy or winter weather mm. uh, or just like really cold and um, and get into the vibe of that. So. Visu by Thrice. All right. It's interesting that you've gone heavier for your winter albums. Yep. And I've gone a little more folky. Yeah. And that is for the summer ones, you definitely went more folky and I went a heavier. Yeah. yeah. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know which way I'm Well, you've going. stayed kind of consistent. I guess so, yeah. Like you've kind of stayed around the same, like not the same stuff, but you've yeah, kept yeah. kind of the same criteria. Yeah, that's true. Like you have a balance. But what's your, uh, what is this, four? Four. Yeah, so number four, I'm going to go with uh, the album Long Way Down by Tom O'Dell. It was his debut album. It Oddly enough, it actually got panned by NME. Hmm. Uh, not that I hold that much stock in what NME has to say about anything, but it's just like, it's the worst review that NME has ever given an album. Yeah. Which is like, that's pretty shocking. And uh, yeah, I just, it doesn't deserve that sort of hate. And it's actually been pretty well received, but it's a nice mix of like heavier, more raucous piano based songs. Cause Tom is a pianist uh, and a singer. So some of the songs he's just absolutely wailing on the piano and like kind of yelling. And then other songs he's playing like super tender, but it's almost, I want to say it's a little Elton John-esque. In a weird way, I would almost describe him as like if Jeff Buckley was Elton John. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah, you I know? Can see Like that. they have similar tendencies. Like neither, it's neither camp specifically, yep. but it's, there's a weird crossover there that doesn't seem like it should happen. Yeah. Interesting. So if you haven't heard Tom O'Dell, to me, that's like when you've played him, to me, that's what I kind of get. Yep. 
there's a there's a song on that album that's become like ridiculously popular. It's called Another Love, mm-hmm. which you've probably heard in like a commercial or so. It, it definitely achieved a crazy amount of success, but I feel like the rest of the album is very, very underappreciated and very, like a lot of his stuff is very different than another love. I mean, there's definitely some of it that's the same, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, like he tries out all these different sorts of like ballads and things like that. Like it's, it's just good ass music. Mm. It's good for, you know, the sort of gray days. There's snow on the ground. There could be snow coming down and you're listening to the song Grow Old With Me. Like, mm. it just works. And that is not John Lennon's Grow Old With Me. I know they have the same name. Mm. Not the same at all. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of reviews, too, I'm actually kind of curious to get your perspective on this. And I don't know if this is going to make it. Uh, yours is in mine? or Yeah, yours. Okay. Yeah, yours is in Pete's. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure if the chunk of Ian's episode that we did when we were talking about reviews and the functions of reviews is going to make it to air. Um, But in case it does, what is your feeling about music reviewers and media reviewers in general? Like the function of them, the the fact that that role exists in the whole ecosystem, what do you think? Are they valid? I I think it's kind of valid i mean it's like the same you'd have to critique like movie reviewers the same way yeah and i put them all in the same general bucket but yeah like you can get a sense for like i guess the craftsmanship behind something but if a reviewer says that something really doesn't have much meaning then i'm like well that's what you say yeah but that's where i'm like i'm gonna form my own opinions but if they say something's like low budget or like poorly made not that that really translates into music because low budget is just lo-fi mm. i don't know but yeah like if if the reviewers saying that the songs have no meaning then i'm like well clearly it's just not for you like yeah. someone else is going to find something there but so i i think it's largely useless yeah but it kind of does let you weed out some like crap mm. that might be out there like I don't know. Yeah. I I just don't pay attention to reviews really for music. The only reason I brought up that Tom O'Dell one is because I like randomly stumbled across that online when I was trying to like listen to his album on YouTube. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. Like that's shocking to me. I honestly feel like one of the better functions of music reviews these days is that they're online and you can listen to the clips. Oh, that's a yeah, good point. True. Yeah, true. Like, that makes a huge I, difference. I feel like more and more these days, you're very rarely seeing negative reviews like would have been done by Lester Bangs back in the day. Like we talked a lot about him on the, <laughs> the recording with Ian and like that kind of re- reviewership. But it's more to praise things these mm-hmm. days than it is to criticize them, you know? Yeah, it's to promote now. It, 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 yeah, it's mostly just become like another avenue to give you a preview into something mm-hmm. rather than to give you like an honest critique of it that's an interesting point though too because they were more prior to there being clips and you know everything kind of being embedded in the same package like they were a lot more gatekeepy i don't know if we really touched on that back then but like they could almost be a literal gatekeeper like if you had to go down to the store and pay a finite amount of money to buy that record Mm -hmm. and you trust lester bang's opinion and there's three other records you want to get like you might not get that record because he panned it 
Right. And that's a different function than like reading some bullshit on NME.com now and being like, well, I'm still going to like go on Spotify and listen to this. Like, mm -hmm. so that's, yeah, that's an interesting addition to that. Yeah. We should have a more full discussion about the reviewers at some point. That was a fun, contentious topic to get into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my number four is a kind of a tie. So I just, there's one I want to quickly mention, which is Figure Eight by Elliot. That's um, a good, yeah. That's a, prime winter record for me i don't really want to like put it on my list just because i feel like the reasons why i really like it for winter kind of overlap with stuff we've already talked about it's just you know right it's not worth doing that here but that is a phenomenal winter album um so my number four is weirdly somehow going to be joy division unknown pleasures <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same but it's just it it uncovers another area like it just kind of is another vibe that I feel like the other stuff on my list hasn't really hit. And that's like so specifically like Boston, Cambridge, Somerville at night during the winter for me. Yeah, I can see that. Like waiting outside of places like on stoops. Yeah. Um like a bum. <laughs> Playing hacky sack. Yeah. Getting on trains. Pulling my teeth out of my lips and carrying <laughs> Curb on with stomping my night. people. <laughs> Missing midnight oil. No, just kind of like, it, it was always probably like load-in situations, you know, like playing yeah. the Middle East or something like that. And like everybody's milling around and freezing outside. And like, you'd see like the cool people go by. Like if you're playing upstairs, you'd see like the cool, like kind of shoegaze bands or whatever, or like new wave bands playing downstairs and they'd have the shitty van and everyone's wearing black. And like, you know, it just, like I remember that fondly and, and trying to get out of Boston once the snow started was always kind of like a bit of an adventure so yeah, i just yeah. have that yeah. whole thing the smells the sights the yeah all of it the old wristbands like that album whenever i hear it that's kind of where it takes me it's so interesting thinking about figure eight as like a winter album because yeah. it's so poppy yeah that i most the most of the songs on that album i want to listen to in like april right yeah like i want to listen to them driving around in the spring Maybe maybe not even most, but like a good a good amount of them. Hmm. But then the section of the record that is everything means nothing to me and everything reminds me of her. Mm -hmm. I want it to be this time of year, January. You know, yeah. like I want it to be winter when I'm listening to that part of the album. Yeah. But then suddenly it's like L.A. and uh, <laughs> I can listen to like Junk Bond Trader in, in the winter. But like, yeah, yeah it's a, I have to like find the right weather for that album like it's not like a time of year it's more like the right right weather that tends to happen during a specific time of year yeah um but then i look at like basement on a hill oh, yeah. and i like only listen to that album in like march when yeah. it's muddy and just like everything is fucking filthy from all the snow and, the, and like yeah, yeah it's just like there's no other time of year to me that makes sense to listen to basement on a hill than just like the messiest fucking grimiest month of the year you know yeah it's like it almost has to be that way yeah but yeah um okay my number so i said that i would end with my favorite snowstorm album and then my favorite overall winter album so first the favorite snowstorm album mm. if you're like out somewhere late at night mm. and it starts snowing hard and you've got to just stay the fuck awake <laughs> and get home in the snow listen to soundtrack to your escape by In Flames. <laughs> okay. Sounds heavy. It is heavy. <laughs> I would not that, have expected that. <laughs> it is my favorite Snowstorm album. It just, it 
keeps you going. <laughs> it keeps you alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's this, okay, so primarily the reason that it is my favorite Snowstorm album and like a really good winter album to me is that there is this one sound on it that I think is a China symbol with a big old low pass on it and a lot mm. of reverb. Mm. That sound has come to like define certain winter landscapes for me. Mm. Like it's just, it's what I hear in like the intensity of a snowstorm. It's just like that fucking China symbol, whatever it is. Mm. And aside from that, it's like just some of the coolest melodic metal guitar riffs. And yeah, so like for a number of reasons, like not the least of which is it just, it reminds me of like, there's something really cool about Scandinavian metal in the winter, first of all. Yeah, Kind of like it lines up, it makes sense. Um, It's rare these days that I listen to that kind of metal or or anything that heavy unless it's the winter or unless there's a snowstorm happening. So I'll say it again. (laughs) If you want to stay alert while driving home in a snowstorm, soundtrack to your escape by In Flames. Perfect. It'll get you where you're going. (laughs) That makes me feel like a... That feels like an like a cheap energy drink, like a vault in the cup holder, <laughs> cranking hoons out the window, driving down the highway at forty miles an hour. Just yeah. like okay, okay, fifty more miles. <laughs> yeah, that's a feeling. Yeah, you want you want to get home in the in the winter. You you stop at that one gas station on two hundred two in Western yeah. Mass. Get yourself a Starbucks double shot and put on soundtrack to your fl- escape by In Flames. <laughs> You'll get where you're going. <laughs> so we got our, um, is this our all-time winter number one now? Number one, well. Not all-time for me. current, like. Yeah, current winter number one okay. for me. Uh, this is one that came out a couple months ago, maybe like a month or two ago. Mm. But I kind of faced a dilemma because this guy has come out with a couple different things and they're all pretty similar to each other. But just this one is... A little darker so i was like that's way more wintry mm-hmm. and i've listened to it a lot and i was listening to it while skiing last night uh and, and i think john I'm hyatt have, yeah it's john hyatt <laughs> <laughs> have a little faith uh, <laughs> in me no it's it's not john hyatt it's actually the <laughs> antithesis of john hyatt oh uh <laughs> so it is called actual life three by an artist called fred again And mark my words, this isn't exactly a hot take right now because he has since blown up in the last like month and a half, two months. But uh, Fred again is going to be the next wave. He is the next big thing. He's more than an artist. He's a movement. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's my that's my little marketing pitch for Fred again, but well, it's good to get this on tape too because you've been right about a lot of these. I have been, and right you've just said I... it like to me in the kitchen or to Josh, like at his house. Like you've never actually like marked it publicly, so yeah. it'll be interesting if it's like Fred we have a date. Is the next thing? Uh, he's actually like a disciple, basically, of Brian Eno, which is kind of interesting. Like, so he knows how to kind of create that ethereal, atmospheric soundscape which you wouldn't think works in EDM, which is what Fred again makes, but like he's able to blend it so seamlessly with a sort of breakbeat style. And I didn't, this is the other thing. I thought that I hated breakbeat 
because I just immediately think of like early 2000s breakbeat where you're at a fucking roller skating rink and they're like, yeah, just mobs of people trying to dance to like the Venga boys and shit like that, (laughs) which isn't breakbeat, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, But yeah, it turns out a nice melodic breakbeat song hits different. So it's like he will start his songs off like very sort of emotionally. And this is the other thing. He uses voice notes in his songs, which sounds cheesy, but it works pretty well because he'll just go around London uh, recording conversations with people. And then he'll like chop up part of a conversation and craft a song around it. Or, or sometimes he uses, you know, actual like vocals from other tracks or ones that he's had recorded. But it's just a really interesting, fresh style, a little lo-fi as well, because you can tell that he's producing it himself. Like it's got that like at home production sound to it. A little grit, a little grain, very wintry, highly recommend actual life three by Fred again. I'm surprised you didn't put any like Weezer and stuff. Or I'm honestly surprised you didn't put Brian Eno too, but Oh yeah, you said it, Weezer was your not, skiing music. But that's not like current for me. Yeah, I, okay. I was trying to do more current stuff for yeah, this yeah. one. Brian Eno, I would say would make the cut, mm. but I really don't listen to like albums of his. Yeah. That's mm. the problem that I run into with so many artists that like Matt might expect. Uh, yeah, the it's album just makes that, it tough. Yeah, I I don't listen to the full album. Like, I would definitely put uh, an ending ascent by Brian Eno on there, but I just haven't listened to the rest of the album. I mean, I'd be the same way with Weezer too. Like the all the ski trips that we've been on, where like <laughs> we listen to the other way, and uh, yeah, is that what is that on? Make Sweater believe? song, yeah, pork and beans, yeah. Like that would always be the soundtrack to those drives and. Huh. But yeah, it wasn't like the entire album. It was most of it. Perfect Situation was definitely yeah. played a lot. But yeah, weird memories of Weezer being all the time. <laughs> I just, uh, not only do I connect it with skiing, but I connect it with that hotel we stayed at. Or yeah, more, of a, more of a motel that we stayed at next to Pat's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, like the Henniker Motor Inn or something? Yeah, and and the army was also staying in they it. They had a carpeted pool, which I... Yeah. Have what? never encountered before, and I never want That's to encounter a again. Idea. It's it horrible, nasty. <laughs> yeah, but the National Guard was like basically training upstairs. Uh, I don't think they were actually training. I think they were just getting wasted and wearing boots. But uh, <laughs> we for... saw them loading in cases of beer. We were like, "Oh Jesus!" Like when we were checking it, we were young, like we were kids. Yeah, sounds like they were on shore leave. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> who goes? They were, down it sounded there? like they were throwing each other around the rooms and shit all night. <laughs> like, I bet probably probably were. Yeah. <laughs> That's what men do. Those, those are fun. That's what we man. do. Right, so my number one winter, and for me currently right now, this is an all-time. It'll probably change over time, but yeah. for just all winter moods, as long as I don't have to be like alert, is um, it's and it's not technically an album, but it's classical. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to include it because it's I'm not. Oh, mine is too. Coughing out. Um, it's Satie, Eric Satie's Gymnopodies one and oh, two. Okay. Yeah, because it's just like I almost don't want to try to explain too much. Like, just put those on on a snowy day or like an afternoon or something. There's something about just like quiet piano music. Yeah, on a snowy day. Because he was part of that whole minimalist movement, right? Like the that sort of era of classical where it was almost weirdly poppy. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just so sparse in the right way, and it's, it's I don't know. I always just think of, like, Kafka looking out his window or something, or, like, Nietzsche yeah. looking out his window. It just feels like that kind of music, and it's it's nice, so... Yeah, that is the right amount of wistful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes me mad because I would have, if I had thought to include classical and I didn't want to like step on your toes because you told me earlier that you were including Satie. Mm. Uh, but I was like, oh, Claire de Lune. Yeah. I, uh -oh, I listen to that song a lot during yeah. the winter. It's perfect. I think that's one of the best night. songs ever written. Same. Like at any Wholeheartedly agree. But that's a summer one for me somehow. Or really? spring or something. But I think it's exclusively because of the Oceans movies, though. <laughs> oh, I think uh, I just picture that fountain, and I just, I can't separate it from the desert. That's that's pretty That fair. makes sense. But I love that song. I think yeah. I picture it as a winter song because I used to play, it was a video game, Forza Horizon 4. You'd just drive a car around, like, England and Scotland, and that was one of the songs on, like, the pre-programmed radio channels in the game. Mm. And... It would play all the time for me because I think my game was bugged. Uh, it, it also, every time I'd play, it would end up being the winter season because Forza would go from, like, as regular seasons do, spring mm. to summer to fall to winter. Mm. And it was supposed to change every, like, three days, but mine just didn't. <laughs> so I'd just drive around with that song on in the winter season in, like, an E-type Jaguar. I was yeah. always like, wow, this is the dream. Yeah. And now I listen to it in the winter. For real. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one winter album of all time has a little bit of a story behind it. So five or six years ago, I, I just had this inkling that I wanted to listen to a certain kind of music that I was positive existed, but I just didn't have any specific artists to listen to. And I had an inkling that also that it would be northern music. Like it would like... How do I say this? All, all of like the Scandinavian melodic death metal bands have like little acoustic sessions yeah. in in their songs, you know, like their, all their intros. And I wanted that, but only that. And I didn't want oh. like the heaviness to follow it. So I was just like, what sounds like it's being played around a fire by a Viking on a classical guitar? Yeah. And I have this friend who is like a scholar of all things Scandinavian metal. And he started coming in with like all of these recommendations. And I finally found like the thing that I was thinking of. And I still listen to that sometimes. But the gem that I found through his recommendations was an album called Woodfall by Musk Ox. Musk Ox are a Canadian band, they're a trio. And the way the soundscape happens in the headphones is you have a, a nylon string guitar in the center and then a cello and a violin on either ear. Huh. And so it's kind of neoclassical slash neo-folk, chamber folk, like that kind of thing. It's all instrumental. And we were talking before about like going out and listening to like Nick Drake season type stuff on headphones during Nick Drake season, during November or whatever. This is one of the only albums that I will like deliberately go to go out into nature to listen to not during Nick, Nick Drake season. Mm. So like if there's just like a, a little snowfall, then I'll put on headphones and go out into the woods, like not not to the cemeteries that I usually go to or anything, but like along a, a river path and stuff like that. And I'm not a wear headphones in nature kind of person. I like to like just kind of be out there and present and with my thoughts and whatever. But if it's the right weather. Mm -hmm. I will put on this album like every single time and just like enjoy the snowfall and sit by a river and it's per and it has like kind of some of those sound clips of 
of river water. Yeah. So it just feels really right in that sense. So it's like there are a lot of beautiful moments that just like give me chills and like almost bring me to tears in this mm-hmm. album. It's an amazing winter album. So that is my all-time favorite album, Woodfall by Musk Ox. I don't think I've ever listened to that. Yeah, I've it never heard of it. Incredible. I like I like musk oxen, but yeah. yeah, good animal, great animal, powerful. Who doesn't like a good ox? <laughs> you guys have any um, like other media that just come to mind? Like that, obviously we wouldn't have done a top five of, but any like book or movie that is a winter fixture for you too? In Bruges, really? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one actually. Okay, is that a Christmas movie. It is and it isn't. Yeah. Like, there are some Christmas themes. Yeah. But, like, it's really not about Christmas. That is a good one, though. It's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Like, that, that is an amazing Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. We just watched that, like, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, like so three good. weeks back. Is it honorable mentions time? Yeah. No, oh, and a quick, too, my other media ones, because that's why I, I was oh, looking right. over there, and that's what made me think of it. But Pete actually got me both of them, um, the two books. But Edmund Hillary's book... And Ralph Playstead, like the um, account of Ralph Playstead's snowmobile journey okay. to the North Pole. Yeah. His first one, which didn't technically succeed, but both of those, I still don't know how the hell you found these. At my ways. But um, <laughs> yeah, these are like, those are good. I mean, those are any season. I, I'll read those a lot. But Why don't you flex that Hillary book a little bit? Yeah. Well, yeah, he found an autographed, like, special edition leather-bound one with one of those, like, silk bookmarks, I guess. Is it yeah. silk? Like, it's I, one of I those really soft silk. ones. Yeah. It's the kind of expanded edition to the one that I had read before, too, because um, he's written a few autobiographies. He's done a lot of things. <laughs> but, yeah, I was like, I don't know how the fuck you found that one, just because I didn't know that that even existed. It barely does. <laughs> and then the place did one because it's like... You just can't find that, even at the library anymore. I don't know how I got it the first time. Huh. I stole it. <laughs> I think, but <laughs> I it looks like you it. bought it from another library. Uh, it has library yeah. markings in it. So, But those are phenomenal books. Um, if you can find a copy of either, um, great winter books. Hmm. They make you want to climb or explore something. Actually, that you talking about those books and how they remind you of winter <laughs> reminds me of something that is very typical Matt Minigel winter stuff. <laughs> uh, I, it was last winter, I think. And <laughs> do, do you know what I'm going to yep. say? Yep. Yeah. So last winter, I like went out to the porch for something and it's snowing and it's snowing pretty goddamn hard because it was a blizzard. Yeah. And Matt is outside with a goddamn pipe. Yeah, like a full-on pipe, and he's just puffing on some tobacco. He's got, he's got a little light going, and it might have been was it a headlamp? Yeah, yeah, it was a headlamp, and he's reading Hemingway, standing in the fucking. No, it was dr- into thin air. Oh, that was it. Yeah, that it was. was, it was um, yep, yep, it was Krakauer. John Krakauer. Yeah. yeah, so he's he's the standing. book is fucked up from this. Yeah. Like it's permanently warped just and in the driveway, that. reading about these like this Everest expedition. And I'm like, oh my God, are you like cosplaying John Krakauer right now? <laughs> yeah, I, it was funny too. I didn't think about it, like what it would look like. It wasn't one big, like I'm going to go out into the snow and read like <laughs> into thin air. It was just, that was the book I was reading at the time. I wanted to smoke my pipe. We were having a blizzard because the snow was up to my hips. Yeah. And then and our front light wasn't working. Or maybe it was the snow was too deep for me to get over where the light would be. But I 
was like, oh, I'll put on my headlamp for when I go running and stuff. Pop on the crampons. <laughs> but it's like all of these decisions were made kind of in isolation, but they came together in me standing up to my hips in the snow in my driveway, reading this Everest book, smoking a pipe <laughs> with a headlamp. And Pete, yeah, he just, I don't remember why you came out, but you walked out and you're like, what the hell? Dude? Like, <laughs> Come on. I think I was just looking to see how hard it was snowing. And then I'm yeah. like, what's that light? And then it's Matt with a headlamp. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I got so sick of like holding a phone because the book was too fat and like too small. To I hold don't blame you hand. for using the headlamp. It's just, it's yeah. so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good book though. It was a perfect time to read it. But yeah, the pages are all fucked up and wet and stuck together now because it was just like pelting snow that all night. But, but yeah, honorable mentions. What do we got? I got a couple of them. I thought Pete was going to go first, but I'll go. I've got zero. Oh, what? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do honorable mentions. I was under the impression that this would be a shorter. <laughs> How disciplined like, of you! It, I try to be sometimes. <laughs> well, give us one that, like, from the past that you. It's not your current winter one, but it's like Ooh. you filed it away. It's an important one. See, that's tough. There's, uh, there. I know which artist it is. And I kind of don't even want to name just one album because, A, I don't even know if he's come out with an album. It's Why don't we make singles. it too? Let's make the honorable mentions like a little more flexible, like singles, artists, albums, that kind of stuff too. Okay. Mine, I okay. have a couple that I really want to mention, but they're singles. So sure. single honorable mention right off the bat, Second Nature by Bon Iver and Nicholas Bertel from the hit film Don't Look Up. Yeah. Just perfect. Then I would say... There's an artist named Tony Anderson. I guess they're sort of classical, but it's very like soundtracky sort of music, kind of inspiring, but also very delicate. Um, and he has a song called Ariana, and that's dedicated to his mom who passed away. But it's just a gorgeous song, and it works very well in the wintertime. Huh. Yeah, good for good self-reflection, which... I, I do not do. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a couple of singles too. I already mentioned um, Leonard Cohen, Treaty, Strings Reprise. That one's phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. In the shoegaze or like kind of new wave goth vein of Joy Division, this was just released as a single, but Bela Lugosi's Dead with Bauhaus. Oh. That's just a fun winter. It's like a nine and a half minute debut single. <laughs> <laughs> which is an audacious call, but like, it's just kind of just all about Bela Lugosi, which is, it's, it's fun. I don't know. It, it's a great winter song. Um, mm -hmm. and Blizzard of 77 by Not A Surf. Oh, hell yeah. It's kind of on the nose, but it is a perfect Blizzard song. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they nailed that. Is that on their second or third album? Oh God. I don't even remember. It's early. It's early. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I know I listened to that. Ironically, last summer I listened to that <laughs> while I was setting up the new venue. Mm. All right, so a really fun winter movie. I mean, it sucks, but it's really it's fun. Um, Out cold, which is just Casablanca on a mountain with everybody snowboarding. <laughs> That's all it is, and it's really fun. It's a fun snowboarding movie. But the opening song is uh, "Anytime" by Eve Six, mm. and it's a really like they kind of put it to like a snowboarding like reel, you know. And so the the way that I'm going to connect these dots is weird, but in high school I had like like I watched that movie all the time just for the fun of it, and I had like a couple of songs that I like just really associated with that vibe. And so the other one was um, "Stars" by Hum, 
so the two hum albums uh you prefer an astronaut and downward is heavenward are both like big winter like non-snowstorm winter albums mm. for me yeah um they're just great to like drive around in, in the cold and then this is the one that i was debating earlier whether to put it on because it's what reminds me of like kind of being inside and cozy by a fire but iron and wine the creek drink the cradle is mm. perfect like like that feeling that you're describing with like bonnie Vare and the cabin and stuff and like just yeah. kind of it's a much more lo-fi album than that was but it has that kind of just like cozied up in a cabin making music on a four track super lo-fi just like the warmth in those songs and the reason that it's an honorable mention and not on like the main list for me is I can see a lot of people listening to that as a summer album, if only for like all the slide guitar that's on it, you know, like it kind of yeah. has sort of that more Southern feel and not really like a Northern winter feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't but, you have Iron and Wine on your summer album? I think you did. I did an honorable mention for summer yeah. albums. Yeah I, yeah. I remember you bringing up Iron and Wine yeah. uh, in regards to summer. They're honestly, they're one of my favorite groups, but, um, but yeah, so the Creek Drink the Cradle by Iron and Wine, and then two of the albums by Hum, You'd Prefer an Astronaut and Downward is Heavenward. Nice. Oh, I actually, I I thought of one more because I I gave two, I think I'm allowed a third. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was listening to this today and it like really kind of dawned on me how just pleasant of a song it is. And it's very good for sitting. Mm. Also for driving, but mostly sitting. Mm-hmm. It is Atlantic Sud. I don't okay. know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's by M83. Oh, yeah. It is sung exclusively in French. Huh. I, yeah, I really didn't understand one. the meaning for like a year or more because I just didn't bother to look up the translation because I was like, I get all the emotion I need just out of the delivery of the lyrics. But turns out the lyrics are gorgeous if you translate them. M83 are nice. great. Yeah. yeah. They're coming around in April, and I yeah. want to see them. Yeah. We should have played um, Sigur Rós. I can't pronounce Do- it. Sigur Rós yeah, almost Sigur made Rose. my list, but yeah. I don't listen to enough of them to actually like consider them an yeah. honorable mention. But yeah, just emotionally, they're right on that nerve. Whenever I hear them, I'm like, yep, this is It's that Nordic January. sort of like... Yeah. 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 And we've all got a little bit of Scandinavian in us here, so... Right? Yeah. Like, that, maybe, this, maybe that's influencing... More than I knew I had before. <laughs> well, I still haven't taken the 23 and the me thing, but my sister did, so I can assume that our genes are mostly the same. And uh, every part of me is a northerner. Wow. That's why I'm so pale and I love the cold. Yeah. Yeah, and Pete, I know you got kind of a uh, heart out, so yeah, do we have anything that you want to plug or anything you want to add before? There is literally nothing going on in my life. Plug your music. We have to go through this shit every oh, time. But just say the name of what you do. Uh, OC, like OSSI on SoundCloud. I haven't posted. I said I'd post last time we did this. I was like, oh, I'll definitely upload like three new songs. Totally forgot about it. Slash <laughs> just like realized the songs weren't up to snuff. I probably won't post again, but maybe I will. <laughs> well, you probably, you'll post something. Like you play things here. Yeah. And they're good. So if any of those make it to the world... Um, is that where they'll be? Then we will consider it a blessing. <laughs> but is that where you post them? If, if the things that you play yeah. me, you decide you want to play to others. Yeah, I'd post it on SoundCloud. Yeah, so keep an eye on that. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Matt, what are you plugging? 
I might as well uh, toss a good word to our friends at Bent Carrot again. Bent um, Carrot, sure. uh, yeah. 15% off using yeah. the code Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I don't know. I don't really have any plugs right now. None. I haven't for a while. Yeah. You run businesses, motherfucker. Yeah, well, basic stitch embroidery. Not successful ones. <laughs> <laughs> All the more reason to plug them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, basic stitch embroidery co. <laughs> if you need any hats, any nice warm winter hats. Yeah. Any ba- tote bags, patches. All sorts of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I got something to to run by you uh, after we wrap up. I don't want to make it public just yet, but okay. I'm going to plug a couple things. One, um, if you are local to the Boston, Central Mass, Southern New Hampshire, anywhere in New England, really, area, check out the concert series that I am hosting at the Overlook in Lowell uh, this spring. We're doing kind of a soft opening for this new venue that I'm working with and that I helped to open. So go on social media to see what we're offering. The other thing I want to plug is, and I never do this, I mention it in passing all the time, and I plugged it with Ian a little bit, but only because Ian prompted me to. So I'm just going to plug it again, which is my Patreon page. So I'm on this mission right now to be a better archivist. Mm. And so every week I'm putting out like the final versions of songs, whether that is like official, like to be released officially or in most cases, it's just going to be like, what are these demos that have been on my hard drive for years? Do I just want to like throw a final EQ and a little like compression on them and just like put them out? And then I'm no longer going to like worry about what's going to happen to them. Just like they're archived as demos. And it's also forcing me to look at things that I'm never going to do anything with. And they've just kind of been like taking up space and get rid Mm -hmm. of them. And this whole exercise for me is just about like trying to take up less space, Mm -hmm. like trying to be more organized, trying to like get everything in its right place and just leave it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be a better archivist, trying to organize things well, trying to compartmentalize things the way that they should be, um, if only to like either put it away or save it for later and like get something in good shape to be used later. So it's going to be an interesting journey. And most of the stuff that I post on Patreon is free. So you probably don't even need to pay anything to me <laughs> if you want to like watch all this stuff happen. Um, I am here with two titans of business. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but no, anyway, this isn't even really a plug for like the content as much as, as for the process. Like I think it's going to be an interesting process going through like all of my old music with the purpose of not promoting it and not just like putting it out there to be content, Mm -hmm. but actually looking at like old demos and like all this stuff that's on my hard drives as an archival process. Yeah. I think I, I personally think that that's going to be an interesting thing to like, like at least behaviorally (laughs) just to watch like what that looks like for like, cause I hoard so much audio. I have so many live recordings. I have so many, like everything. Mm. And so the process of archiving that is going to be at times fun and at times infuriating, but just follow along for the eventual mental breakdown. That's what I'm advertising here. That's what I'm talking (laughs) about. We go. Me eventually losing my mind. <laughs> That's what you should study in your master's thing with Dr. Yeah, you need a case study. You should study Joel. <laughs> yeah. Might as well, yeah. 
I'm a fascinating specimen. <laughs> he could save thousands of hours of audio recordings, but he couldn't save his own sanity. <laughs> the Joel Mongin story. It's a terrible title. There's just the byline, but I said it first. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the byline. It's a good byline. <laughs>